0: Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, with your host Peggy Smedley. This is ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm your host Peggy Smedley. Today we're going to be talking all about telematics. It can help send, receive, and store information related to your equipment. It provides a greater amount of data for analysis for both reactive and proactive measures. And now we are seeing uses move from machine system monitoring to driver behavior and performance monitoring. There's a lot to discuss today, but first I want to cite some pretty significant industry numbers. A new telematics benchmark report shows that some 80% of firms are already using telematics, or plan to do so in the next year. That is pretty sizable percentage of the market. As we all know, technology is beginning to disrupt construction. This is improving both safety and productivity at the job site. To join me in the discussion today is Tony Nicoletti, Director of Strategy and Business Development for DPL Telematics. Tony, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, right, Peggy. Thank Thanks for having me.
0: Well, Tony, we're delighted to have you talking with us today. So let's get right to it, Tony. I'm kind of interested. You know, in today's world, there's a lot happening. But I would love to hear your thoughts on what are some of the challenges that telematics actually creates.
1: Yeah, you bet. You know, telematics, uh, it's front page news no matter where you go now. And it's come uh, a long way in just the past couple of years. I mean, you look at where it used to be, it was giving you basic location data maybe, Uh, Runtime, you mentioned productivity uh, in in your intro there. But you look at what a telematics device can do now, and it will plug into the engines on these machines and these trucks and give you not just that basic information, but now you're talking uh, dozens of data points and potentially a 100-plus fault codes. So what we're starting to see now is the increase in the volume of data that's available, but then on top of that, You've got more and more companies offering telematics, but even beyond that, you have probably every major OEM on the construction side, on the -the over-the-road side, offering some type of factory standard telematics product. So you've got an increase in the amount of data coming off of the asset and an increase in the number of sources providing that data to the user. So if you're a contractor, you may have four or five different uh, manufacturers you use in your fleet. Maybe you've got something on your larger trucks for ELD compliance. Maybe you've got something on your smaller trucks uh, to monitor your drivers. something different on your trailers. So it's an exciting time because you can build this best-of-breed best solution, but it, the challenge that's being overlooked is, is how do you digest it all? And a lot of the, uh, the coverage that you read on any magazine is all about what and what it can do for you. And so the expectation is, all right, I'm just going to put telematics on my whole fleet, and then I'm going to go in my office and put my feet up on the desk and make cash register sounds, because it's going to be saving me so much money. Uh, But what's being missed is the how, how to pick the right solution, how to pair it to what your fleet needs are, uh, and how to assimilate it into your operation.
0: So that's a great point. How do you assimilate it? How do you pick the right solution? so there's a lot of effective ways then to approach all this telematics from a fleet wide standpoint so let's try to look at that let 's kind of pare it down a little bit. So, how do you then try to assimilate all this information as you just said? how do you as as somebody who's looking at your fleets from that perspective? How do you then determine that? Because, you know, when we look at data, it's very hard to say what's the most important data that you need because you just described. There's a lot of different data points coming at you that a lot of different – your machines are giving you a lot of different data, as we talked about. And what do you really need and what don't you need and how do you pare that down to say – this is what I need at this point to give me the most important information that I'm going to need to make good business decisions.
1: And that's that's half the battle. And where I've seen it uh, implemented successfully is, just as you mentioned, the folks sit down first, and instead of saying, all right, we've got all this data coming in, where do we put it in our company? How do we use it? How do we improve our operations? You flip it around. So you say, where is the improvement opportunity in our operation? What can be made better? What can be reduced? Whatever the challenge is. Let's say it's improving your preventative maintenance schedules. You can see internally we're missing them by, by a mile or we're missing them by 40%, whatever the issue is, and it's causing downtime on the machines, or we have a theft problem, or we need to improve logistics, whatever it may be. Then once you've got that improvement opportunity, then you look for the measurable goals. Well, why are we missing our PM? Well, we're missing our PMs because the runtime information, the odometer information we need, comes in from the field maybe a week, two two weeks later, maybe even a month. Someone's got to key that into our maintenance module, and by then, we've missed our PM. How would you improve that? What's the data that we need? Okay, it's the odometer. It's the hour meter, and that's really it, and maybe the GPS. So if you can boil down this buzz of data to what do we really need to improve something specific in our operation, you'll have more success. So it's splitting it out and attacking it systematically instead of jumping in at it all at once. You know, if I'm trying to learn how to swim, I'm not going to jump at the deep end. I'm going to start where it's three and a half feet deep, wade in, and once I'm comfortable, start to go further out.
0: So help us narrow this down a little bit. If if I'm listening right now and I say, what types of telematics data are the most commonly used within this construction industry? Because right now somebody's saying, okay, now you're telling me, you know, odometer, GPS. Are those the most commonly that we need to be looking at? Are there some other key points, you know, we say we should be looking at that maybe they're not and they're thinking like, I don't even know what we should be looking at and that maybe we're not that we should have. Is, is that going to help someone listening right now?
1: Sure. And it's um, it's if you were to break it down, you know, maybe there's three general areas. And the first is just good old GPS, location data. I know it's overlooked, but you can do a lot with it, especially if things like theft and logistics are major concerns and goals within your organization. You can do a lot of that with just a basic locator. So that even weeds out more of that other data that can become distracting. But where most companies, in my experience, will land is kind of what I call a basic operational data. So you take that GPS, you'll add in odometer, you'll add in the hour meter, operational metrics, uh, maybe even fuel consumption, uh, but not much more than that. And it's things that are being collected anyway. For years and years, people have been collecting this manually. You're just automating that process and speeding it up. And then the last area is where you get into that advanced data that I alluded to before, which is that engine engine direct data as far as fault codes and temperatures and pressures and idle time and time in gear and all this other stuff. And there's a place for that, but you definitely want to have a plan for improvement of how you're going to use that data because that can get overwhelming very quickly.
0: So now let's talk about that. So now you've decided what you want to track. Now you're going to sit down and say, okay, these are the things we should track. So you're looking at, so what type of resources should be taken into account when implementing telematics? Now, because that's the other thing I think companies kind of miss the mark on, knowing what resources they should dedicate in order to do this properly.
1: Absolutely. And and that's a big one. And, uh, The expectation is you put them on there and they're going to run perfectly forever and we're going to have all this data coming in and there will be no issue and uh, it will solve all these problems. But uh, no matter which route you take, no matter which data sets you're going to target uh, to improve internally, you do need internally some resource as far as what I would call a power user. It's the person that understands the telematics system or systems that you have to be able to make sure the reports are coming in properly, uh, to make sure the correct people are notified uh, with any of the alerts that may go off. It's the one that's the point person potentially of, of working with support with your different telematics providers. Um, that's key. No matter what product you use, somebody has to own that. And a lot of times, especially with some of the, the free systems that exist, um, rather the factory systems, I should say, uh, the assumption is, well, it's already in place and it's sending this data in and, and off we go, but no one's actually collecting that data and, and making use of it. So there is a requirement internally that someone will have to manage that data to own that piece, uh, and that's a big one. But then it'll stretch you know, beyond that, depending on the mix of telematics that you want to use. Uh, you may have to look at installation. Right, Someone's got to actually put the units onto the assets um, Use a factory system, of course, that's done for you. And then you've got to step into other areas such as the upkeep of the units. Right? I mean, things happen. Uh, they're electronic boxes, so they can be unhooked by accident during service. Antennas can break. Things happen. They have to be kept up. And is there a strategy to do that? Do you rely on your local dealer to do it? Does your telematics provider do it? Do you do it internally? But if that upkeep, which is dictated by your power user who's watching it. If the upkeep is not done, you're gonna have units start to fall off, and then it defeats the whole purpose of telematics that you're you're missing a percentage of your fleet uh, sending you that information. And then the last area I would say would be the data management itself. So I mentioned the the power user, person who's kind of the eye in the sky watching all that data come in, putting the reports together. Um, If they start to see readings that don't make sense or something uh, isn't reporting correctly, they're going to be the one that would take action either through the telematics or through the dealer or whomever uh, to fix that issue. So there, there is some internal resources involved and potentially some external resources depending on how the company is set up.
0: So we've talked about the idea of how big data as we talk about this and we're talking about telematics is going to help, but there's a lot of challenges that you've described here, upkeep of the units, strategy, data management, there's a lot of challenges associated with all the benefits that are around this as well. And I think that you, have, as a company, you have to really look at how you're going to address these even before you decide to implement this is what you're describing.
1: That's absolutely the case, yeah, because you look at the way your company's set up. So let, let's just take an example. If you're a company, if you're a contractor and you do work all over the United States and you have a mix of telematics systems, factory systems, aftermarket systems, so you could have a job, maybe your headquarters are in St. Louis, but you have a job in Los Angeles. And something happens there to one of the machines, one of the telematics boxes, let's say, or a couple of them don't work, or there's some issue, or they're giving bad reading, how does that get fixed? Do you wait till the next time it's serviced and somebody handles it? And who's that person? Is it going to be the local dealer again? Do you have someone in-house? Do you have a yard out there where it will be taken care of? So there's a logistical... Uh, plays, it needs to be taken into account. Obviously, if you if your operational area is not as large, uh, that's not as much of a concern, but the more you spread out, the more you've got to think through how do we attend to these issues and are we okay if something happens and it may take months to get that unit back online. And then the next area, you touched on big data, which is exactly right. You want to look internally at your, your company resources from a data standpoint because if you are a company that has... A mix of factory systems, and maybe some aftermarket systems, and suddenly you've got eight, nine, ten different telematics feeds, who's going to manage that? Again, I talked about the power user, but that poor person's going to be running reports on, you know, five, six, seven, ten different systems daily or weekly, and then pulling those reports together and trying to get everything onto a map and getting everything literally on the same page, which is a lot of time for someone to do. So then do you look at some type of as you mentioned, big data or an aggregation option, right? Do you have, does your company have IT resources internally that you could pull it together? Do you uh, getting a consultant to do it? Do you get a third party to do that for you to aggregate all that information so it goes onto one page in the same format, so it's nice and clean, and that saves a lot of time. But of course, there's a cost for that as well. And then the next step, if you were to aggregate that data, it would be to push it into your ERP system, which is kind of the the holy grail uh, right now with this telematics data, is getting into that legacy system, that business system that you use to drive a lot of your processes.
0: But looking at all of this, I mean, we know from research right now that with the equipment that you described, uh, more than half of the organizations are increasing the number of their equipment, and their fleets over the next year, as a result of more demand and services, they're replacing older equipment and vehicles. And that's all going to have telematics on it. So regardless of how you might feel about telematics, you have no choice in this matter because it's coming. It's here. So while we might talk about the challenges, you have to be investing in the idea of telematics because you might, someone might be listening right now and going, This is way too much for us to really be trying to figure this all out. We maybe want to sit on the sidelines. As a construction company, you can't because even in some of the numbers, I I think I saw that 50% of the commercial equipment stolen was, was no more than five years old. On the job site. So, you know, and and I think it was also that 97% of that time it was recovered or or something like that, as some of the numbers are shown, because if you have telematics on it. So it's kind of like, you know, the Catch-22 thing, you know, it's great, you have it on it, it can be recovered. But at the same time, there's a lot of things happening. But if you look at this, if you don't do something, you, you're going to be left behind, but you you have to do something because it's all coming, as you described early on in our conversation. So I guess the idea here is, you have to be either working with a company to do this or a lot of the equipment's already on it and they're doing it for you, but you better understand the information because it's a flood coming very fast. It's like a tsunami.
1: You bet, yeah. It's. I mean, whether you like it or not, it's here, right? And you're exactly right. Every new machine, every new truck's going to have telematics in it. And it it really comes down to... Uh, a lot of the items that we've discussed today. Which is, what are your what are your goals for it? Just because it's it's sending you 50 data points per machine every day, you don't have to use it all. You know, but but tiptoe in, put your toe in the water first. Now use it maybe. You mentioned theft. That's a great reason to use telemat. Start with it just for that. Monitoring job sites. Monitoring after hours use. Unauthorized use. Start with that and then add in some of that basic data, that runtime, that other information uh, while looking at the resources that you have to do it internally and externally. But you're right. It's there. It's coming. Everyone is seeing the benefit. and, And the big challenge, I think, that a company has to understand is you really can't ignore it anymore because your competition is adopting it and embracing it. And they're using that as a competitive advantage over you. So... To, to pretend like it's not happening is not a good reason anymore.
0: So, so we've looked in at some capacity. We've looked at some of these challenges that we said, but there's really great things that are behind this that you've you've described. You know of what's happening, and we also know that there's standards that are coming behind this. And do you believe this is a, a, is essential too for advancing telematics going forward? That there are some common standards and protocols that are kind of helping this whole idea moving it forward that I think will make it a little bit easier that kind of sets this across the industry that are helping construction companies kind of embrace a little bit that there's this widespread, you know, that companies and the equipment companies are kind of saying, okay, we're kind of all working the kind of same foundational way of doing and thinking across the industry.
1: Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I think that makes a big difference to be able to say, you know, at the, at the end user side, the construction companies can say, hey, these data points are important to us. You know, these five things or uh, these 20 things, these are the, this is the data we really care about because they're, they're taking it on to say, all right, all the data coming out of these telematic systems we can't really use, right? It doesn't, it doesn't meet our improvement opportunity within our company. But if we could boil it down consistently, these are the data elements that we need to feed those goals. So if you can make a standard, or at least make them available, and that's the biggest thing, is the standards are good, but even within them, you know, we've seen companies tend to interpret things a little bit differently. So there's still a little bit of customization that's involved. The biggest thing is that your telematics provider or providers offer some type of API or way to get that data out. Even if it's not in a perfect standard, at least you can build connections to each telematics provider and get them into one place, all looking the same, through some type of aggregation model.
0: So it enables, when you're looking at a, a standard, enables equipment users to gather more OEM data into their preferred business or fleet management software, which makes it a little bit easier as we're looking forward. So when you look at all this information right now and you're trying to say, okay, how do we go forward and say for what would you offer to companies who are out there and saying, we talked about what they would do to get started. But now when you look at all the construction companies that are out there, for those who are out there and we say, okay, it's helped to prevent some lost or stolen equipment. How are some of the other things that we look at telematics right now? Where do you see it really headed? Because we've talked about, you know, measurable goals and operational metrics. I mean, there's a lot of things it can do. What are some of the things we haven't talked about? Because right now it's, it's able to do things I think with labor shortages and, and pending growth. I think there's a lot of things it's, it's still able to add to in construction companies that we haven't even addressed yet.
1: Absolutely. And it, it continues to grow and grow. There's, there's all kinds of new technologies that are coming out that integrate into telematics themselves. So, Uh, You mentioned safety earlier. You know, a a good one is tire pressure monitoring. You can buy aftermarket systems, put them on your trucks, put them on your larger wheeled equipment. They can communicate into the cab. They let the driver know something. You have an out-of-parameter condition on one of your tires. That's great. But what if that driver didn't hear it because it's obviously loud at a construction site, didn't realize that that alert went off or didn't see the light that indicates that problem? Well, now you can tie those sensors into your telematics. And if someone else, maybe a safety manager across the country or a foreman on the site can also get that alert and know that there's a problem before it happens to help save and protect that that operator or anybody else if a tire should blow out on a job. So I think it's the telematics that are now becoming the hub as far as on the assets themselves, but it's the ability to start to connect other either third-party or auxiliary sensors to them to extract even more data to create a safer environment.
0: Have we ever thought about telematics in a way, because safety is always foremost on everybody's mind in a construction job site, but in, in the past, have we thought about telematics as being that hub for safety? I mean, that's an interesting commentary that you just said, thinking about it like that. Is, is, is it something that we're seeing going to be even more in, in the coming months and years ahead of how it can play a greater role in that? I
1: believe so. Absolutely. and. You know, as the, the capabilities of telematics increase, as more and more uh, sensors can be broadcast on those those buses, those J1939 and OBD2, it becomes easier for the telematics to extract it. So they, they become that, that hub, if you were, that gateway where all the communication from the asset itself is transmitted out. And then once it's out, of course, we've talked about how to get it all together, but then you start to see things like A.I., Coming into play, and I think that's going to be a big thing in the not too distant future as well, where the intelligence that's collected from all of this data it can start to form machine learning. So in that same instance, where you've got a bunch of tire pressure readings coming in, uh, the a- on the AI side, which would be back you know at the server level, but it could be looking for some type of trend or some type of issue with that tire. You know, if every morning, if one tire is significantly lower than the others. That's a potential trend it could be picking up and a flag and alert before there's an issue.
0: Do you believe that there are some ways the construction companies need to be leveraging artificial intelligence that you just described, machine learning that today? we have just starting to understand that the larger companies are beginning to understand and saying, I've got to use this from my job site to my office, my fleets right now. And regulations are going to push that forward versus the more innovative companies are going to drive it it going to be one over the other, or is it going to be those really innovative construction companies that are going to be the drivers of taking telematics, which which is going to be the driving force, so to speak, no pun intended, but that's going to take telematics forward?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'd like to think regulations that usually takes a little bit longer to get into place. I mean, we've seen with ELD, right, how long – I took to get that passed and then finally implemented. It's still not implemented. But um, if I had to go with my gut, I would think it's going to be the innovative companies, the early adopters on the construction side, because as they leverage AI and machine learning and big data and whatever you know buzzwords out there, they're going to mine that data and they're going to be able to find ways to improve their operation and their efficiency, which is going to lower their cost, make them more competitive. So I think that's what's going to drive them them forward, and then it's going to pull the rest of the industry with them, you know, as those early adopters figure out how to do that.
0: And you mentioned the ELD mandate, and it's now as we see, you know, as December comes around and the deadline comes around and we see more companies trying to figure out how they adopt that, how they use that, and what they see coming. Do you see a lot of companies are still saying, okay, we know what we have to do. We kind of get our arms around that. But that's going to change the way companies are mining that information in ways that they have to incorporate it in information in the way they look at things long term, not just the short term, but the way they view their entire operation. Do you think that's going to also alter how they see things long term? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people still don't understand what's coming with that.
1: I would would agree with that, yes, because if you're and I hate to use the term force, but if you're required to put telematics on your trucks and you never had before used any telematics, whether you like it or not, you're using it, and you're going to learn from it, and it's going to have additional benefits that you're going to see. Beyond, of course, the, the ELD, the paperless log requirement itself, and the hours of service, you will have dispatching benefits. You will have other benefits that you would find from a traditional telematics product. So as companies again, kind of tiptoe in with, with the intent of just the ELD, they're going to find the other benefits as they're ready for it, as it makes sense, again, for their, their company and for their goals to begin using what they have in place on their telematics.
0: So, Tony, just looking out, you know, if you had to predict what might be coming, you, know, you can't say five years because things happen so quickly, what do you think is going to happen in the next few years in the telematics space? What do you see for construction companies?
1: Uh, I had my crystal ball. Um, I I think it's going to be an extension of a lot of what we discussed today. I think uh, we will find telematics devices becoming, I'm going to say, smarter, for lack of a better term, and and by that meaning more integrated, perhaps on an asset, so being able to collect new and different types of information. We were, in fact, we talked to a company that's looking to capture you know, engine regen information and death fluid levels and things like this that are driven by these new tier engines, something that would have never been an issue on a tier 3 engine. Now they want to capture that. So you're seeing more sensors, more data, more integrations on the asset level. But then I also think as the number of providers continues to grow, especially at the factory level, you're going to see more and more aggregation needs, a way to bring all of that data into one space, reliably. And then I think from there, we're going to see that that AI and that automation of data mining start to really come through. So that's if I had to take a shot, that's what I'm seeing.
0: Well, Tony, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Peggy. All right. Tony Nicoletti, the Director of Strategy and Business Development from DPL Telematics. We appreciate all your time. Well, as always, listeners, this is ConExpo, ConAg Radio. It's brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We hope you'll stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting construction and its industry by subscribing to our 365 e-newsletter. You can do that by visiting conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. Thank you for tuning in to ConExpo, ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers.